0: Hello and welcome to the 20th episode of The Rate Debate. I'm Darren Langer and joining me is my co-portfolio manager, Chris Rands. Hello, everyone. Well, it's the first Tuesday of September and that means the RBA has just met. Chris, it was a pretty, uh, I guess, as expected statement. The RBA is pretty much sticking to what they told us last month. They're going to uh, taper the amount of QE that they're going to do to $4 billion. But they have made some concession to the current COVID problems, and they're extending that uh, to no change until February next year. That was pretty much the the major thing I got out of the statement. Was there something that you saw of, that was of interest?
1: Nothing of interest apart from that. I think my first impression that I've mentioned to you was, am I meant to buy or am I meant to sell? Because there was a, a slower pace of buying. So as you said, $5 billion down to $4 billion. but there's more certainty in that the program isn't going to be reduced in November. It's actually going to run until February now. So it is a bit of an acknowledgement, I think, to the recovery being delayed. But in terms of how I'm meant to think about it, it's a little bit, I guess, confusing in that you're slowing it down, but you're giving us more certainty over a longer time period.
0: Yeah, I must admit, the, the one thing that was really uh, clear to me is that the RBA seems almost absolutely certain that the path out of this is how they think it's going to happen, that we'll have a really big slowdown. They say a material slowdown in the September quarter, but December, everything springs back and we're back on track magically to go forward. I must admit, their forecasting is probably better than ours because they have much more people doing it. But but that's a lot of certainty to have, given that many of the uh, you know economists and, and the RBA itself were thinking 2021 was going to be a pretty good year. Here we are heading into 2022, and we're saying the same thing, even though it looks like we're going to get no growth at all in 2021. Um, we just seem to be kicking the can one year down the track but we're definitely sure we're going to be raising interest rates in 2024, you know, they they could well be right. But there's a certain amount of uh, uh, certainty uh, there that I think, you know, is probably a little bit over the top. There probably should be a little bit more of a downside scenario in there. What do you think?
1: I personally wonder on the kind of idea of the downside scenario, just whether because they were, I guess, so negative last year and that turned out to be incorrect, whether they're downplaying that now. If you look at what they said in their statement to your comment, they said, this setback to economic expansion is expected to be only temporary. The Delta outbreak is expected to delay but not derail the recovery. And so in there, they've actually said as well that they're expecting the economy to be growing in December and that we'll be back where we were in the second half of next year. So from their perspective, it's very much, look, this is delaying where we were going to be, but don't worry about it. We're going to be right back to where we were next year. And as you said, I kind of find that a little bit hard to get my head around at the moment, just around the uncertainty that kind of comes into these forecasts. Because, you know, you think about even in August, the the forecast for this quarter was that it was going to be a 1%, you know, drop in GDP. And now people are talking about 4% or something like that. So forecasting 12 weeks forward is hard enough, let alone trying to forecast 12 months forward. So I don't understand, I guess, why they're kind of playing down that negative outcome, but obviously they're, they're, they're leaning into the positive and they're just making sure everybody knows that next year they think we're going to be ready to go.
0: Yes, it seems uh, transitory is going to be the word for uh, 2021 whether it be inflation growth unemployment uh, it, it all doesn't matter in 2024 is the uh, the day we're going to be uh, tightening interest rates um they'll be very consistent with their messaging I've got to give them that much they haven't wavered from that 2024 target no matter what the market thought uh, no matter what pretty much anybody thought you know again maybe maybe they're right but um you know there, there's a lot that can happen between now and then and I guess that's one of the things we've been spending a lot of time talking about is that pretty much everybody talks about rates. The next move in rates will be up. You know, that that I think is a categorically agreed position, whether it's 2023, 2024, or some point further out, the expectation is that rates have to go up from here. You know, one of the things we've talked about a lot over the last few months and years is the fact that all we've really seen for the last 10 years is rates getting lower and lower. Uh, no matter what sort of happens, I mean, what happens if the next move is down and not up? You know, it doesn't seem to really be in anyone's forecasts.
1: I kind of was thinking about, I guess, the probabilities of these types of events occurring the other day, and and the kind of thing that came to my mind when I was when I was thinking about these things was to say, you know, if I asked you to close your eyes and imagine. We are in the middle of a recession. The economy has been essentially shut for, you know, 12 to 18 months. There's negative rates across Europe and Japan. What direction do you think the cash rate should be moving if I gave you no other information? And if that was it, you know, I would probably be saying the cash rate should be heading down. Now that's not to say that we need to be thinking the next cash rate move is down, but clearly there's circumstances that are still sitting here that suggest that if it's needed, the cash rate can go negative. So when I kind of look, I guess, back to what the RBA is saying, I kind of think that it's far more balanced in up and down from where we're sitting right now than I guess the market believes. Yes, if we rebound next year and, you know, we move past this COVID problem and the economy never needs to be shut again, you know, potentially we are fine. But in the the scenario where this drags on and we're looking at a similar lockdown next year, that's when I would start think that those probabilities need to be closer to more balanced and maybe it is coming. When you kind of talk about as well, that 2024 period for the RBA, I think they're using that period because that's as comfortable as they are forecasting forward. And once you move beyond that, it just, it kind of moves into a cloudy haze of who knows what's going to happen after three years.
0: I got to say that um, it would be nice to get a an outcome that's actually positive. And, um, you know, we, we do start to tighten interest rates a little bit. Not that we think that they're going to go up terribly much. It would stop a lot of the speculation that we've had for the last five or six years of constantly trying to guess when that's going to happen. But but the reality is that, you know, since the GFC, most of the shocks to the system have been negative. And we've ended up again, you know, getting to a situation where things started to look okay, and then something's come out of left field and, and suddenly, you know, we're we're back in the same situation. The only thing is now, you know, we're we're sitting with zero interest rates, governments have got massive budget deficits. You know, you you wonder how they're ever going to repay um, some of that. Certainly, in, in a reasonable time frame, it, it just is amazing that anybody can forecast with that kind of certainty. I mean, you know, being the RBA, they're not going to come out with a doom and gloom forecast. They'll leave that for us. But you know, they have to be relatively positive because they they can affect sentiment a lot more than what we can. But yeah, you know, it, it just seems very unbalanced at the moment that their mid case has never wavered from this twenty twenty four and and all things will be okay by that point in time.
1: Yeah, I guess, you know, when you when you look at it from, you know, perhaps the RBA's perspective, but the, the positive light as well, you, you to say, well, when we came out of the lockdown last year, it was a very quick rebound. Australia kind of took back its GDP drop very quickly and we were kind of setting close to all-time lows in unemployment. So there is this scenario here, I guess, as well, that the RBA's hope might not be the right word, but forecasting to occur, that when we come out of this at the beginning of next year, it is going to be a very fast um, rebound. And because of that, rates can rise at some stage. The thing that kind of worries me about looking at that is just how much of this rebound is coming from running debt up in the government sector. Because when you look across Japan and Europe, you know, part of their problem is just huge debt loads and that's what's holding rates down. So even if you get that recovery, I'm not certain that it means rates need to go up. It might just mean that they sit at zero for a very long time as well.
0: Most definitely. Um, that, that would seem to be to us the, the most likely outcome, even though again, for a fixed income investor, that's not a very palatable um, place to be. Um, as I said, some slightly higher rates would actually be appreciated. Um, it would certainly normalize markets a little bit more and, and get us away from this this bottom boundary. But as you say, it's it's more likely to be lower, longer and continuous for some period of time.
1: I guess that kind of leads into the other question of if the RBA is correct and you know 2024 is go time, what sort of cash rate increases would we be thinking about can occur given kind of what we've seen over the past
0: few years? Yeah, one of the things that we're seeing more and more, and it's something we've talked about for years, is the impact on housing in particular in Australia. You know, housing is is one of the largest assets that anybody holds in this country. House prices are extremely high. Uh, mortgage balances are extremely high. And it's probably a much bigger impact on the um, consumer borrower than it is on government borrowers for, for higher rates at the moment. You know, more and more people, as I said, are starting to pick up on that theme. A- and you, you sort of think about it. If rates went up to 1%, the average mortgage goes up, I know, couple of 100 bucks a month that's probably manageable for for most people for those who've just recently taken out a mega mortgage to buy their 2 million dollar property in Sydney it may be a slightly different uh, factor but for the average mortgage holder that that that's probably manageable but you know i, I think once it starts to go up too much more than that it, it probably starts to bite a little bit harder I, I know you've done some work on this before what what sort of numbers are we talking about
1: it kind of it's such a moving target at the moment, because if you look at wages, they're kind of growing at one and a half percent per annum. And if you look at house prices, they're growing at 20% per annum. So it's um it's always a bit of a moving target, but it was in that realm of a couple of hundred bucks. And, you know, when I thought about this, I kind of figured depending on how far house prices move up, then probably the cash rate will land somewhere in between zero and that one and a half percent that they started from. But the other area that we can kind of look at to, to think about this if we move away from housing is also the unemployment rate. So the RBA has told us that in order to get wages up, they're now thinking that the unemployment rate needs to be below 4%. And so you can kind of use that 4% level as a bit of a guide to how you're thinking about these things. So, you know, given there wasn't a lot of business investment going on back in 2018, 2019, when the cash rate was 1.5%, I personally think it's safe to assume that if we pushed rates back up there, you'd probably see that business investment start to roll over again. So, you know, from an unemployment and a business perspective, again, it kind of feels like it's probably in that, that 0 to 1.5% range and if you look at the way the cash rate has worked after past recessions, it usually settles about, you know, one to 2% lower than where it started. So, you know, maybe that's actually 75 basis points when they start hiking again. It's a bit of a guessing game because it's so far away and, you know, there's moving targets with how far house prices move and how businesses invest. But in terms of, you know, looking at the past, it kind of feels like to me that 0.75 to 1% would be a pretty good target for where the cash rate ends up at the end of this.
0: So, so much of it the whole sort of outcomes from these things is almost what i would call a goldilocks scenario where everything goes right and we come come out of it pretty easily one of the other things i've been keeping a a fairly close eye on and i know you watch china as well we're starting to see you know some really big social changes in china there's a big clamp down on the mega rich in particular because the the wealth effect is not being spread amongst the population I don't know what that means for the for the Australian economy given China is such a big buyer of our commodities and other things but if we start to see some of those changes coming through in China it's also likely to have a, a negative impact on on our growth you know where we're assuming that we don't have any shocks from the external sector and that type of thing, and that—that's another thing in the back of my mind that um, sort of worries me a little bit. It, it may not be China. China might be fine, but it's always these these external shocks. The Australian economy is so open, you know, it, it's very very vulnerable to things going wrong elsewhere. Yet we have, you know, most of our economists and, and particularly the RBA concentrate so much on just the Australian factors. Is there anything else that sort of sits in the back of your mind that you you should be watching?
1: The thing that kind of I think about at the moment, if you kind of move away from that China idea, because that's something that we've, We've talked about a lot but is a little bit hard to get into detail in in the time limit that we have the other thing though that i've been really thinking about is just the construction and the housing side of things if you think about the economy over the past 10 years to me the weird thing is that we haven't seen both mining and housing kind of booming at the exact same time so usually one was going at a different pace to the other you know whether you think about in 2014 when commodities crashed straight after that we had the housing price from the rate cuts And because of that, um, you never actually kind of had both sectors declining at the same time. The kind of concern that's sitting in the back of my head now is if we have this stop-start lockdown continue for too long, then that construction impulse will start to dissipate as we're coming out of this and might actually become a drag as we're coming out of it. So if you think about the home builder incentives that were given last year, they probably have a two-year shelf life before all that construction is completed which means sometime at the back end of 2022, you're probably thinking that there's going to be a bit of a construction slowdown and with that, some weaker growth. So we haven't seen signs of it yet. Obviously, the government can re-stimulate if they need to. But kind of the offset of all of this is the longer it takes to come out of this, the more some of these factors have a chance of declining at a similar time.
0: Just to be a bit of the, the impartial uh, sort of uh, view here, we've taken the doom and gloom side. You know, I guess we should probably talk about what are the potential upsides to um, the economy over the next couple of months. And I know we really do tend to focus on the downside, but we, we probably should finish on an up note this time. You know, vaccination rates are obviously going along well. Could we come out of this faster? Or any? Can you see a path where we do? Um, end up in a better position in, say, 12 months' time than we expect?
1: Yeah, I think the the positive, obviously, from our perspective is if you do get that vaccination, if you do open the economy up come October or November, and then we don't get any setbacks next year, then that should set in train a, a pretty strong growth year for 2022 and then set the RBA up right where they want to be in 2023. Now, For that, you're obviously probably going to have to have housing continuing to run, which it looks like it is from our current indicators. And as well, you're going to have to have China probably stimulate a little to make sure that their economy kind of moves through without the, the shakes that we're starting to see at the moment, potentially with some of these property developer stories that you're seeing as well. So if you get all of those things aligned, to me, you probably should be thinking 2022 is going to be pretty strong and that's going to set the RBA up to be right where they want to be in 2023. You just need to make sure that we get past the COVID, you know, there's, there's no hesitancy with taking booster vaccines and all those other types of things that come along with it. But the potential Certainly, there. It's just, I guess, when we discuss it, you know, is it the mean outcome, or is it a is it a twenty five percent outcome that we should be thinking about
0: this? I think one of the other things we've talked about in the in the past is sentiment is so important. One of the reasons we think bounce back will be a little bit shallower than the original thing is that the longer we end up in lockdown, the less enthusiastic people get, and things like that. But equally, it can work the other way. We could quite easily come out of lockdown everyone throws a big party spends money like there's no tomorrow and we get a an impulse that we're not expecting you know that that's equally possible as well and for all of us it would probably be a very good outcome but but you know that that's another thing to, to keep in the back of their mind is that if we can come out of it you know we probably haven't dented the psyche too much you know to, to at least certainly not if you think back to things like what happened in the gfc and even back to the the great depression you know, those are very long, drawn-out events that really beat people down. You know, a little bit of uh, good news and, and coming out of this much quicker could end up be uh, a much more powerful force than even what, the, you know, government spending or QE or any of these financial incentives could be. But, you know, we just don't know. And that, that comes back to our initial premise is that we're extremely surprised at how complacent and, and how comfortable the RBA are with their central forecasts. It just seems a little bit too benign given the the range of possibilities we could have coming out of this.
1: Yeah, I think as well when, you know, we kind of speak of those positives, certainly from you know, my perspective and people that I talk to in my kind of friend group is if the economy opens, they seem ready to spend. You know, there has been no job losses because there has been, you know, great uh, support from the government, which means that once we get past some of these unknowns, the economy theoretically should be ready to go because, you know, people are ready to travel. They're probably ready to spend and hopefully they've paid down a little bit of debt with the money that they've, they've had of, you know, just being at home over the past few few months so the potential is certainly there it's just a question of you know if and when and if we don't kind of get through these lockdown start stop you know it kind of then becomes a question of how many times can you do it before people just get fed up with it but again you know as you say we don't have the answers we don't kind of profess to know the answers we just look at it at the moment and say what do we think is kind of the probabilities of these different outcomes occurring
0: yeah, certainly, given the RBA statement today, I think we're probably going to be uh, navel-gazing for the next couple of podcasts, trying to get a handle on on what's happening out there. But um, I don't think we're going to get a lot of direction um, from the RBA for the next couple of months, but um, certainly we'll be keeping an eye on, on what's going on and um, bringing our thoughts to the next podcast. Well, that's it for this month. Um, a big thank you to all our regular listeners. And remember, if you ever want to suggest topics or discuss anything further, both Chris and I can be contacted on LinkedIn. So tune in next month when we deliver our latest thoughts on the RBA September rate decision and provide an update on what's been happening in markets. Until then, stay safe. The
1: Portfolio Manager's views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily reflective of the wider Yara Capital Management Group.
0: The Rate Debate podcast content may contain general advice. Before acting on anything in this podcast, you should consider your own objectives, financial situation or needs and seek the advice of an appropriately qualified financial advisor. Any actions based on information within this podcast are strictly at your own risk. Any mention of past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.